still gonna figure out my intro. We're just gonna roll with it. So this is Victoria from the Super Fun Marketing Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to dive into some marketing trends for 2024, some predictions. I'm just going to have a look at what I think is going to happen in marketing in 2024, what's going to work, what's not going to work. I have got some notes here and we're just going to see what is going to happen. We're just going to dive in. So when it comes to trends, one of the things that I often see people talking about is what's the point of trends? Oh, here comes all the trends stuff again. None of this stuff's actually new, blah, blah, blah. What I think is really interesting about looking at trends is rather than looking at this is all new stuff or nobody's ever said this before, I don't think that's what the point of trends is. So I just want to put that out there at the start. I think that this is about looking at what's going on, what are people thinking about, what are people adopting or like where has there been a big amount of change. So it's kind of a mix between trends and predictions and then also just what's happening. So that's my little my little asterisk before I'm getting started. So one of the other things what I want to look at is the underlying things that are happening that are causing like these trends. They're almost like symptoms of something else that's going on. So that's my little <laughs> like preface before going into this. But I just, I think it's so fascinating looking at this stuff because I think it's really cool. Not as in, oh, I'm going to just redo my entire marketing strategy because it's a new year, but as in what is going on, maybe we can adjust something or, oh, our audience is going to be thinking about this. So that's something we need to think about or people's behavior has changed. So this doesn't work anymore. But that's something that I think, yeah, that's basically what I want to look at. So the first one, <laughs> that's all, this is also why I give my little my little disclaimer before, but the first one, short form video. And before you could off the podcast and be like, I've heard this every year for the last three years, blah, blah, blah. Okay. According to HubSpot, short form video is one of the top marketing trends that delivers return on investment. So although it's been a, a trend for a few years, I think it's definitely still going to be important for marketing in 2024. But I think the reason why that's important is because of a few other things that are going on. And yeah, the reason why I think it's going to be important is not because, oh, it's a whole new thing. TikTok has just arrived. No, like that's not, I'm not pretending that that's what that is. But I think it's because of the other things that are happening, which is what makes short form video like a big part of what's going on in marketing in 2024. I was looking at some research online and one survey that was done 40% 40% of respondents, so and the people that were surveyed were between 18 and 44 years old, described themselves as video content creators. So that's very important. We'll remember that for later. So a lot of people, norm, normies, non-marketers, normies, describe themselves as video content creators. So one of the things is that there's three main channels. If you're, if you're watching, if you're not watching the video, I've got three fingers up and I'm waving my fingers. That's why I think I'm so funny. So for example, Reels, TikTok and YouTube Shorts. However, that doesn't mean I think that everybody needs to do all three, but I think that for most brands, you'll probably find one that is your kind of like fit channel. So I think that you'll find one that kind of works for you. Maybe the other two aren't as relevant, you know, like each channel kind of, although they're short form video each channel kind of has its own characteristics so I don't think that you have to be like we're doing short form video that means we have to be across all three one of the things that I think relates to short form video and what's going to be important in 2024 I think is YouTube uh, and YouTube shorts and something that I was thinking about the other day is like 
you know, B2B marketers, B2B marketing brands, YouTube has kind of traditionally been an afterthought. And I think that for a lot of B2B brands, channels like TikTok and Reels don't particularly work that well. So I think that, I mean, this is me being like a, a kind of generalization, just thinking a lot about the brands that don't necessarily have the ability to post like the silly like TikTok dance or the kind of meme content. Realistically, there's a lot of brands out there that can't do that. Like it doesn't fit with their strategy and that's okay. So that's why I think that shorts is an important one, especially for B2B brands and YouTube as well. Because I think a lot of B2B brands typically have just put like webinars as like an afterthought on YouTube. But if you're going to be posting on YouTube, like you have to be also posting on shorts. That for me now is like a non-negotiable. The growth that shorts is enabling for YouTube channels is is really, really big. And I think it's such wasted potential if you are trying to grow YouTube and you're just not doing shorts. So I don't know if you guys have ever heard of before. There's this YouTube channel called Blogilates. I actually used to do Blogilates like back in 2011, 2012. So the creator of Blogilates, Cassie, she started her channel in 2009 and has been posting on YouTube ever since. But she actually started her shorts strategy in 2022, at the start of 2022. And since doing that, so in the last two years, she has had more than half of her lifetime views in that period because of shorts so the growth that or the exposure and this isn't like just she's not the only youtube creator that has said this as well but the exposure that you can get through youtube shorts is huge youtube has said that their youtube shorts gets more than 30 billion daily views which is that's huge numbers and saying that you know Pick a channel, start small, make it really good, and then expand out from there. Don't try and do everything all at once, especially if you're a small team. It's just not going to work. So on to the next one. Authenticity and real connection become super important for brands. And this is a wider trend. This is actually something that Pinterest predicts, something that they identified in their trends. People want to get vulnerable and forge deeper connections. But I think that this also relates to what we see going on in marketing and B2B marketing, which is why I want to talk about it. So basically what Pinterest has identified is that they're seeing more searches for people wanting like, you know, like intimate conversation starters and hot seat questions and things to like reignite couples, you know, that those kind of things. So people really wanting to have really deep conversations and get vulnerable with one another. And I think that this relates to some of the things that we see happening in the marketing space or in the social space as well. So for example, be real, although like a lot of people kind of debate how real be real actually is, but the whole idea behind that is that you're seeing people's real life without a filter. But be real has also just on the 6th of Feb, they've just released real brands and real people, which are two new parts of their app. One, the real brands is for brands and real people is for celebrities. But basically the idea is to show the real side of those things because often, as you know, like on social media, we often see the very polished or yeah, like the very manufactured kind of view. Of course, let's be real, it's probably still going to have some level of like filtered view on it. But I think it's interesting. I'm going to come back to this in a, in a later point, but there's a lot of the kind of like themes that are very like interconnected. But one of the things that I think is interesting is on the latest launch from Be Real, there was some very, on the content from the launch, the people were very upset by this launch. And a lot of the comments were saying like, this isn't what we want. Like we wanted a space that didn't have brands, that didn't have the celebrities, didn't have the influencers. Because 
this people are saying that they're sick of seeing brands and i think that relates to this thing of people are sick of being sold to or an authentic content which its main kind of drive is to sell and i think that relates into my next trend so like why so basically this one here like people really want to see like authenticity and have real connection and what i think we're also seeing is how important personal brands are becoming we're especially seeing that in the B2B space. And I think personal brand is such a funny kind of phrase because if you're in the B2B space, I think we tend to call it like personal brand. But if you were in more like the consumer kind of space, you'd probably just call yourself an influencer. So that's one thing I just, side note, I think is very interesting. But I think that's why we're seeing like this personal brands becoming so important because it's becoming much more about like the real connection and the authenticity. And so moving on to my next point, my third trend that I see is that I think that we're entering the era of parasocial relationships and then like in brackets and personal brands. So like in my in my previous episode that I did talking about the evolution of marketing, I talked about some of the different eras of marketing and that apparently we're still in this era of relationship marketing. If you didn't listen to it yet, I definitely I definitely recommend that you go back and listen to it. So basically, like there are throughout history, these kind of defined eras of marketing practice. And at the moment, since the 1990s, supposedly we're in this relationship marketing era where it's really about thinking about what your customer wants and building a bond and building a connection with them. But I think that we've evolved into the parasocial marketing era because we know this, right? Like people are using the online space to get recommendations and that's how a lot of people make their decisions. But that's not just that people are turning to review sites or brand websites to figure stuff out people are also relying on their online networks so like their friends on instagram their friends on facebook people on tiktok like normal people are micro influencers now there's my that's my what i believe i believe that normal people are micro influencers i think that anybody that posts anything <laughs> anything on social media like where it's i watched this movie i ate this food i went here for coffee i went here for dinner like any of those things people are micro-influencing without even realizing that they're micro-influencing. So they're not just like sharing their recommendations in conversation, but they're also like maybe without even realizing it, they're sharing those recommendations online. And HubSpot shared the stat where they said that 31% of consumers use social media to find answers to their questions. And that's like the questions that people are actively seeking. But I think that there's even like a subconscious level that is going on that maybe people aren't even really aware of, but they're still being influenced. And obviously, like I said before, people who are like professional influencers have been around for a long time, probably at least a decade now or longer, have been really big in the consumer space, but we're seeing it happening in B2B as well with LinkedIn influencers and the personal branding has become a key part of a lot of, especially like I see a lot in the B2B SaaS space, that social selling is becoming a key part of marketing strategies for these brands as well. And so the relationship side of it has become much bigger than just the picking up the call and having the face-to-face meeting. It's become this parasocial relationship online as well. And it's become influencer-based rather than just, I come and give you a handshake and I meet you at your office or I take you out for lunch. So that's why I believe that we've evolved past just the relationship marketing side of things and moved into the parasocial relationship thing. Now, also why I think this is interesting is that shoppers or like consumers want the brands that they engage with or spend money with. They want those brand values to align with their own. And I think, again, this is like 
caring much more on a personal level rather than just a transactional level. Now, I don't want to go too far into this next point yet. I because I'm going to dive into this again in one of my in one of my other trends, but I think this is also why podcasts are huge right now. So even though they've been around since the early 2000s, I think that there's still a huge audience for podcasts and I think that's going to happen even more in 2024. I think we'll see more B2B podcasts, B2B vlogging. I think it'll almost be like YouTube style influencer, but for the, coming out of the B2B space. And I think this is related to the parasocial bond. And then, like I said earlier, like in the authenticity and real connection, it's all linked, right? It's all linked. People don't feel, don't like feeling like they're being sold to. And that's why these kind of things I think are happening and are going to happen even more. So yeah, I think that what brands are going to need to do is find these alternative approaches to the overproduced ad spot because I think a lot of people are going to put the blinders on to overproduced ads so like really nicely shot you know like some nice like blur in the background good lighting good quality of footage but not overproduced in the way that it like really feels like an ad that's what I think so not with a lot of bells and whistles but something that feels like authentic and trustworthy because it has a certain level of quality but it's not overproduced and so one thing that I think is super important with this as well, and what I think that this really relates to is micro-influences within the B2B space as well. And so my next point, which is coming, I've talked a little bit about like why the personal brand stuff will be really important for brands. But I think that seeing the micro-influencer, because that's also where in the consumer space a lot of brands are seeing success with is on the micro-influencer side of things as well. You know, people, are, like I said, become wary of being sold to. They don't trust these massive influencers in the same way. These people that they know are like really being paid a lot like for what they're saying. That's why I think that the micro-influencer will be really big in the B2B space as well in 2024. I think it's going to be less about these people that have these massive, you know, 100,000 followers or LinkedIn top voices badge, no shade to people that have those. But I think it's going to be more about the smaller niche audiences where it's like, you know, these really kind of niche verticals within industries and where they really share, like really engage, hyper-engaged and deep knowledge is being shared. I think that's what we're going to see, especially because at the moment there's so much I don't know about how you guys see it, but there's so much noise happening on LinkedIn. So many people sharing their thoughts and all of that kind of stuff, but a lot of it is very generic. And I think that it's just going to get lost lost in the noise. So you're really going to have to like become really specific. And and so this is where I'm going to tie a couple of my points together now. So 47% of marketers, and this is according to HubSpot, 47% of marketers report successful micro-influencer partnerships. So I think that we're going to see this coming over into the business, the B2B space as well. I really want to emphasize that the micro-specialist or micro-influencer, I think is going to be a really important part of this. And I'm tying this, tying this together, podcasts. I think podcasts are going to be still huge in 2024. I said that earlier, but my caveat is that you need to niche down. So according to a study from 2023, the number of podcasts at the time reached roughly 3.2 million in that year. So 3.2 million podcasts, there's a lot of podcasts. The number of episodes has also increased to more than 178 million published as of October 2023. I think that 2024 is going to be another big, even bigger year for podcasts again. I truly, truly believe that. 
I think that like seeing the development that is happening in podcasts as well, for example, Apple investing into automatic transcription, Spotify with the popularity of their video podcasts, I think that this is going to be a space that we're going to see even more investment and development in. But, 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 podcasts, you need to niche down. There's so much out there. You have to have a defined audience to be able to overcome just how much is happening out there in the space. And it's going to be really important to understand who you're targeting, what they care about, how they will learn about your podcast, how do they learn about podcasts just like in general, and when they listen to your podcast as well. All of that stuff is going to be what determines the success of your podcast, I truly believe because of how much noise there is out there. So from Spotify, some data that they released. So when it comes to the consumption of video podcasts, so both watching and listening versus just listening to the audio, comedy is the top category, so just under 30%. And then maybe because like your marketers, maybe this is something that's interesting to you, but business was around about 10%. Gaming and hobbies was more around 16%. But so business is a little bit further down um, there. So the video podcast, not as huge yet in the, in the business space. That's the video podcast. But I think, yeah, it's just interesting. When it comes to when people listen to podcasts, again, I recommend if you are doing your own podcast to check your own stats for your own audience. But just in general, most people listen to podcasts during the week. So about 78% of consumption happens between Monday and Friday. 22% on Saturday and Sunday and one thing that I think is really interesting I might often walk to work but I use my commute to work to often listen to podcasts and I'm not the only one because commutes are the prime time for podcasts during the week so most people are listening to podcasts around 8 a.m and 5 p.m and if I think about my own behavior like that totally tracks for me and and if you're then listening on their commute that people are also listening to it while they're doing chores relaxing or working out I have some friends who listen to podcasts when they're falling asleep. If you're falling asleep right now, I hope you have a great sleep. But maybe this isn't the right podcast to fall asleep to. I don't know. But yeah, so I'm not going to go too much into podcast best practices in this episode. Maybe I'll just save that for another one. But I think don't be don't be discouraged by how many podcasts are out there now if you're wanting to start one. But I think you have to niche down and be very specific about who it is that you're trying to talk to. Think about how they're going to find you. So a lot of people, how they find podcasts is... They hear from about it on a show that they're already listening to or they get recommendations from friends or family or from browsing Spotify. There's a few other ones like, for example, social media, newsletters and looking at podcast charts. But the big ones there are word of mouth and browsing Spotify. And I think my one last thing that I would just want to add here, like thinking about discoverability and like niching down. Don't don't niche down too far in terms of don't try to become like too clever with your show name, your titles of your episodes, your descriptions. Like people, if they're going to be finding your podcast, you have to make it so that they can find it as well, right? So think about the keywords that you want in there. Make it really simple for people to understand what they're going to get out of an episode because the description and the names are super important for people deciding if they're going to listen to the episode. So podcasts, if you're going to do one, make sure it's specific, niche down. Alrighty, on to my next one. Social media becomes entertainment platform. I did a LinkedIn post about this a little while ago, but I know that for many people, social media is now primarily entertainment. So if you think about, for example, you know, back in the day when we had appointment TV and just flicking through channels, you're not really mindfully doing that. You're just kind of scrolling through. That's basically what's happening on social media at the moment for a lot of people. More people are lurking and not engaging, so no comments, no likes, but they're still seeing, and importantly, 
they're still enjoying the content and reading the comments, but they're not necessarily engaging with a double tap or a comment in the same way that they used to. I think one thing that often happens as well is people engage with the comments on things as well, which I think is interesting. And thinking back to what I talked about at the start of the episode, there are a lot of content creators. So there's a lot of content creation and consumption, but not just casual posting. So people, they're taking it seriously when they're making stuff. It's not just like casually posting something up. Like I think about there's an Instagram post that I went back and archived a little while ago. I went through and did a bit of a cleanup, but it was just a picture of a sandwich with some like wild, like really overblown Instagram filter from 2012 and it had zero likes. That just doesn't happen anymore. People take content creation very seriously. Even though some younger generations, the Gen Z and young millennials, there's every now and then there's a little trend where they want to try and post like that again. Last year we saw like the photo dumps or even like the blurry photo, the moving kind of photo where it's like, like almost like an action shot. These different kind of trends happen, but there's a lot of curation that actually happens before. Even normal people are posting on social media these days. I saw a TikTok a little while ago where the person who made the TikTok was talking about how they love to see other people's posts on Instagram, but the thought of them actually posting themselves on Instagram made them really cringe. They don't think it's cringe that other people are posting, but them trying to think about what to post on Instagram, there's a real kind of, it's like overthought now, much more than it used to be around like 10 years ago or whatever. So posts are super curated and almost everyone who posts on Instagram is a micro, micro influencer now. So thinking back to what I said previously, even without realizing it, people are micro-influencers. And people aren't posting to socialize. They're posting to tell a story about themselves and to maybe even it's to document certain moments in their life. But even these platforms like Be Real or Snapchat, people say it's real, it's true, social media. It's probably not. You're also probably just actually micro-influencing to an even more micro-audience. But people are still wanting to use these channels and people are still spending a lot of time on these channels. So I think as a brand, that's very important to keep in mind. Even if there's not a lot of the kind of traditional engagement, what we would call like the vanity metrics, even though those are really dipping, people are still watching it. People are still spending time um, looking at it and consuming it, just not in the same way that they used to. And an interesting trend that a few people have started seeing is that some Gen Z, younger millennials, are starting private Instagram accounts, not even ones that their friends are joining, like to follow that they're letting them join, but like literally just private accounts where they journal and document their lives. I think that's very interesting. I shared about that on my uh, LinkedIn post that I did a few weeks ago. But after that, I got an iPhone update and I saw this new app on my phone called Journal. Maybe you guys might have noticed that as well if you're iPhone users. But that's actually a new app that Apple have created where people can basically reflect and practice gratitude they can upload images add notes all of that kind of stuff and that's actually what people were starting to do with Instagram with these private accounts and I think it's really important to note that people have different behaviors on different platforms as well some people are really avid TikTok creators but they lurk on Instagram or like for me like I post a lot on Instagram stories on my private account but I also post a lot on LinkedIn but other accounts like other platforms I don't post that much I just tend to lurk around there and another interesting thing related to this, there's not really like one platform where there's a really, really defined, the platforms are coming more and more similar. Lots of feature copying, they're less differentiated. Maybe there's more different communities there, but the actual behavior, the type of content, like the format of content is very similar across a lot of the platforms. 
So I'm interested to see what actually happens in the way that people use social media this year. I think, again, the really niche, like, micro community is going to become much more of a thing again. Just, yeah, it's interesting. Interesting to see how also for brands, like, with the people just lurking rather than really engaging, I'm interested to see how that kind of happens. I think the comment section of these kind of meme brand accounts tend to get a lot of engagement, but if you're not able to do that with your brand if people aren't willing to engage just in general like not even with their friends content that's going to be really interesting for brands how to navigate that my second to last point aesthetics 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 however you want to pronounce it I think this is very interesting this is a very small trend in my one so I'm going to just run through this quite quickly but it's something that's already been impacting fashion and music if you're not familiar with it it's basically like instead of these kind of like traditional kind of cliques or subgenres of like jocks or punks or whatever, a lot more of Gen Z, especially I think the younger millennials tap into it a little bit as well. They're kind of like these visual or yeah, cultural kind of fast moving fluids trends. It's very visual, very visual identity, but it can also relate a lot to like music. So people, this was something that actually was seen a lot already in 2023 in Spotify playlists. So people naming, like using the word aesthetic to group music. So rather than genres like rock or hip hop or, you know, those kind of traditional music genres, they were using like these aesthetics to group music. So for example, some of the ones that Pinterest has predicted based on search trends for 2024 include things like Jelly, Eclectic Grandpa, Western Gothic and Badminton Aesthetic. Maybe you might have heard some of the ones that happened in 2023, but that was like soft girl aesthetic, (laughs) clean girl aesthetic, just some kind of ones like that. And you're like, how does that relate to music? And that's, yeah, that's the thing. It's about, it's a different kind of vibe. It's not really, this is what this sounds like. It's, you know, this is how we define rock music, but it's like the vibe that the music kind of emits or gives off. But one thing I think is really interesting with this is that because of this the digital era that we're in we see a lot of the aesthetic stuff especially on more visual platforms like tiktok even like instagram for example but because of that like one of the things that's key part of this is that the aesthetic is more important than the authenticity as in dupes are a really big thing this isn't super relevant for b2b marketing but i just always think like for marketers in general i just think it's really interesting to understand like what's going on so a lot of younger generations is about the look, especially one of the things I was reading recently was that especially Gen Z are spending more on fast fashion and buying a lot more dupes. Whereas, you know, like millennials, I think we're like scarred. <laughs> like when we think about fast fashion, I think that's just interesting how these different kind of waves happen. And I think because a lot of the life happens on social media, it makes it really hard for people to see that they are actually dupes rather than the real thing. So I think one thing that's really interesting to note about this is that they're very fluid. It's not that you're defined by this for the next five to 10 years, your entire personality for your, your whole life. It can be very much like seasonal <laughs> as quick as the trends kind of change, which is also why I think that it is much more about like visual identity and the dupes being so dominant here as well because it is so fast. But yeah, I think that's just really interesting to see like how that is just overall impacting yeah people's buying decisions. I don't know how that relates to B2B marketing. If you're a B2B marketer, just let me know what you think <laughs> that means. But just in marketing in general, I just think it's very interesting to like really understand what's happening. Maybe we'll have dupes of software or something. 
I mean, there's already a thing, but yeah. Anyway, super interesting. Super interesting. Super fun, super interesting. My last one here, I, I mean, I couldn't do 2024 trends and predictions for marketers without talking about AI. I think that would be just a little bit naive. I was really kind of like, is it a bit overbaked? Is it a bit overdone to talk about it? But when I started reading about how marketers use AI, I think I was quite like... I don't know if triggered is the right word, but I was like, oh, well, I have to say something because it's a little bit scary. So my 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 trend, my prediction, it's not really a prediction. Maybe it's more, this is what you need to do. Marketers need to develop AI literacy. I'm going to get a bit more into that in a second. But according to HubSpot, 63% of marketers think that most content in 2024 will be created with the help of AI. So it's important to note there that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll be written by AI but there's a lot of different ways that marketers are using AI. And I think that learning how to use AI will be very important for marketers. And that doesn't just mean like how to write a good prompt. So marketers at the moment are mainly using AI for inspiration and creating outlines for content. But I do think that what's going to be really interesting, some interesting ways that marketers will also be able to use AI is some of the kind of new developments that are coming out where it's, I'm not sure if you've seen, but it's like video like AI eye contact so I could be like reading down here but it makes it look like I'm looking at you the whole time. I think also AI voiceover or AI generated videos I think would be really interesting for marketers to create a lot of content but I do wonder if through that we'll kind of see almost like a rejection of that form of content eventually because it like it's manufactured thinking again about like the authenticity and real connection kind of thing. I think just be careful thinking about that as well. However, the most successful use case for AI is research. So 61% of marketers who use AI and automation are using generative AI to do research. So they're using like, for example, like ChatGPT to do the research for the content that they're doing. So this is a bit that freaked me out a bit. And I don't know if you've ever used ChatGPT and got an answer for like, wait, hold on, that's actually not right. That's called a hallucination. If you're not familiar with it, it basically means that Gen AI, generative AI, it can make up information and present it back to you like it's fact. An example of this that I had in my personal use of ChatGPT is I was away on holiday and I was like, this is the kind of beach that I want. I'm here. Can you tell me like the top 10 beaches in this area that relate to this content? And it literally made up like three beaches that don't exist. And they, it gave it the beaches a name and it gave it a description and it sounded like they were real. When I Googled them, they did not exist. And then when I asked ChatGPT again, hey, what's going on? It was like, oh, sorry. It appears that that doesn't exist. I made that one up. So that what kind of that's what kind of worries me is that so many marketers are using Gen AI, generative AI to, to research. And then I was like, okay, so how, how prevalent is, like how often do these kind of hallucinations happen? Apparently, OpenAI has the lowest hallucination rate with around 3%, but Meta, for example, had around 5%. So I just want to say, if you are using AI for research, please, 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 please double check your research because you, yeah, like, I don't think you can just fully trust it, especially yet. And there's a couple of other things that people are concerned with. And I think this also kind of relates to this overall thing of like AI literacy and like actually how to use it safely and like in a good way, especially as a marketer. People are worried about plagiarism and brand safety as well as security risks. So one thing I saw is that 60% of marketers that use AI are using AI to analyze data or data, however you want to say it. So while I think that AI 
is great in helping marketers save time, help with creative blocks, sort information, categorize information, write really amazing briefs. I think it's super important to be aware of the risks, be conscious of, of sharing sensitive data or confidential data with AI. I think be really careful of publishing inaccurate or plagiarized content. I think these things of like thinking about being aware of protecting your brand. But I think for now, it's going to be super important not just to be able to write a really good prompt, but to be like AI literate in terms of actually how you understand like the risks or the kind of checks that you need to do if you are using AI. So that's just my thought on that one. I would love to know like what you think about AI as well. And for marketers, are you using it for research? Does it hallucinate when you ask it for stuff? Yeah, maybe I'm a little bit kind of wary of it but yeah just let me know what you think so those are my main trend predictions for 2024 make sure you let me know what you think do you agree do you disagree like how do you see it but before i wrap up today i want to talk about what i've been thinking about this week this is no action required just something i've been thinking about this week and i have been thinking about nostalgia baiting and specifically how at the moment in a lot of media there's this non-specific era or non-specific aesthetic if you will where you can't really tell when the movie is supposed to be set so i think for example the latest mean girls movie sex education the tv series the movie bottoms that's one that i just watched recently but they don't it doesn't really have like a very clear timeline that it's set in so the clothing could look a little bit retro but it could also be like current clothing the tech isn't really featured a lot in it some of them they show like really old cars or really old bicycles but then there's other things that kind of appear to be a little bit more modern so they're very not like timeline specific so it could either be now it could be a decade ago it could be 30 years ago and so they kind of tease nostalgia like we're not talking about stranger things where it's very clearly like an era but it's this gray area where you don't really know when it's set and it teases nostalgia and a, but it's not too in your face. I don't know if you have noticed that in media too or what you think about it, but yeah, nostalgia baiting. I just thought it was interesting. No action required. But anyway, thanks for tuning into another episode of the Super Fun Marketing Podcast. I've been your host, Victoria. I still will be Victoria after this. But let me know what you think is going to happen in 2024. I would love to know what you think. Also, thanks so much again for listening to this episode. I really appreciate it. And stay tuned for the next episode of the Super Fun Marketing Podcast.